0: Like to introduce Debbie Dietrich. Um, she's coming. She'll be here in a minute. She was at a retreat we had before at Mo Ranch. Who was at Mo Ranch? Is anybody? That was 2012. I was there. It's quite a while, a while ago, and uh, she was our speaker then, and she was just so wonderful and so what she said touched us so inside, and. Uh, so we said, let's call her back. So we did, and she is Liz, part of the year in Colorado and part of the year in Texas. Oh, so here's nice. Debbie, Dietrich. Thank you. Thank you. you so sweet. Thank you, Miss Burkett. <laughs> oh, this is so fun. I have loved um, just sitting back over there <coughs> watching y'all this afternoon while the registration was going. I love to see how women interact with one another and how we, what we say and do and so many of y'all came up and introduced yourself. I want to set the record straight. I'm, I am literally just a woman just in case you think she's the speaker. (laughs) I have a funny story to tell y'all about that. You want me to tell you this really funny story? when I get off script it's really dangerous so but I'm I'm fixing to get off script are we all okay with that so I was at this lady's house and it was in um, it was down in it's not Bernie it's for the, um, the where a lot of older people live like me where was that Carville. you said it thank you are there a lot of older people there like me and so um, so I had done several retreats with this sweet woman, she was so sweet, I shall not mention her name, but she was so sweet, and so she had organized this retreat for her church, and I spent the night with her ahead of time, and um, the night before, so I could kind of rest and get ready for the, just like I did this time, I kind of rested today. So that next morning we get up and she's making breakfast and her husband is so cute and he's older and they have little dogs and so, so like here she is in the kitchen, you know, cooking, right? And then there's this wall and there's this little opening and then there's this living area and so I'm in the living area just sitting there because I'm just Debbie waiting on breakfast. I'm not anybody. I'm not the speaker. And so... so I'll tell you my testimony in a minute, so this may not make sense. Well, I'll just tell you right now. I've been married uh, three times. Yes, I'm that woman. And so <laughs> I met Jesus after my second divorce. So anyway, I'm one of those wild and crazy women, if there's any. I'm sure none of y'all are like that, but I was. And so um, I'm just sitting there minding my own business, and the lady says, um, Debbie, Debbie, as she's cooking, do you want um, cherry jelly or do you want... I don't know what a peach jelly, and I said, "Let me get over here because I'm acting." I said, "Um, "I don't care. I'm easy." And so then her husband, her little husband, peeks his little head around that wall, and he said, "Well, I figured you've been—you're easy. You've been married three times." (laughs) I—I just—it set me at ease, and she went, "Oh, Harold, that's the speaker." So in case you're worried about anything, I am not the speaker. <laughs> I was easy. But anyway, I'm <laughs> my husband, oh, gosh, we won't even go there. So I'll get back on script. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just Debbie. I'm a woman who loves Jesus, and that's really, that's really it. And I'm just like you, except God's given me a gift to um, tell y'all what he's taught me, and that's really all there is. I want to tell you a little bit about myself, and I get really out of breath, so let me take a little sip of water. It's probably because I'm old or easy, one or the other. <laughs> um, I grew up the only child of two alcoholic parents, and I was really insecure. Now, I want to ask y'all to raise hands, but I just bet you a dollar there's some insecure women here, right? <laughs> are ones that don't look like they are, but they are right? I had a lot of fear growing up. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but I was afraid all the time. And um, my daddy died when I was 11, which made everything a lot worse. Just all the insecurity flooded in. My sweet mama only knew how to cope with life with alcohol. And so we didn't have a lot of talks. There was no one helping me live my life or answering questions for me or encouraging me. So it just... It was just a mess. I was really, really insecure, a lot of fears. And maybe you can relate to this, but do you have, or maybe I want to challenge you to think about and ask yourself this question, do you have some core beliefs that you believe? For instance, I can't do much. I'm not able. I'm easily overwhelmed. Just think about it. Well, I had some core beliefs that I think were just, it's like somebody programmed me as a child, And they were that um, I'm all alone. Now, nobody raised their hands, but that's a really common thing that we feel. And it's not just as women. I think men feel that too, but they deal with that a little differently. But I always felt like I am all alone in this world, very isolated. I also felt like everything was up to me, and that's very common for children of alcoholics. But my husband teases me. He knows I feel that way about things. But I literally, I can watch television like today. And you know when those explosions or something crazy happens on the TV show you're watching, like they're in the kitchen, and then something explodes? I instantly feel like I have to go take care of that. And my husband will say, pat me. Don't worry, Debbie. You don't have to clean that up. This is just a show. It's (laughs) make-believe. They have a whole crew that will clean that up. And I'll go, okay, thank you. (laughs) Because I really do feel a little stressed because I feel like everything is up to me. Um, But the worst part of feeling like everything's up to me is that I don't have what it takes to do it. Does that make sense? It's all up to me, but that's really a problem because I do not have what it takes to do what needs to be done. Can you relate just a little bit to that? Um, I also felt, maybe this is one you felt, that you're not loved. I was not loved. Even worse than that, I was unlovable. Unlovable. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but that's how I grew up. I felt like a pauper. We don't use that word pauper much anymore, but basically it's somebody who has nothing. And I really did feel like I don't have anything emotionally or spiritually. I had We were kind of low to middle class people, so I did definitely have enough to eat and hand-me-downs to wear and that sort of thing. But I just felt empty. Can anybody here relate to that? I know you can't. I was born in 1952, and I know it's not just because I'm a product of alcoholic parents born in the 50s. It's because that's how women generally feel. Can I just tell you a secret? Those of you that are older might have already figured this out. But you're not alone with those insecure feelings. That feeling of being overwhelmed, of feeling like you don't know how to live your life, or what even life is all about, or what you're gonna do next, and oh my gosh, with social media, it has gotten insane. I I can't even imagine, I'm older, thank God I'm older, but I can't imagine how some of you younger ones feel as you're scrolling, 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 and seeing what could be, or should be, or ought to be. I, I just, I can't even imagine what you must deal with on a daily basis, and that's hard that overwhelming, fearful uh, things that we go through. I looked for love in all the wrong places. I got pregnant at 18. I was divorced at 19 with a six-month-old baby. Um, I grew up thinking that men could make me happy. I'm sure none of y'all have ever had that thought. Um, I don't know if any of you, did you you ever think maybe the fairy tale? Do do y'all know about the fairy tale? It goes like this, that a man will ride into your life on a what? A white horse, excuse me, did somebody say horse? It is a white horse. <laughs> no wonder you never found him. You're not looking for him. I do want to say something, though. If he doesn't come on the white horse and he comes on a motorcycle. Now, that is the next best thing. So just to be clear, white horse or motorcycle and that prince, you're just almost home girlfriend. But what happens if you find the prince? on the, let's just say motorcycle, what are you gonna do for the rest of your life? You're gonna live what? Happily Happily ever after. Is anybody here still waiting for the guy or the horse? Or did you think you got the guy, but you got the horse? Or I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. (laughs) I'm not making this up. This really sounds like I'm making this up. An 80 year old woman came up to me in a retreat and she said, can I just talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. And she was crying, and I said, Well, come, come over here, you know, away from the group. And I said, What can I do for you? And she said, Well, you talked about the fairy tale. And I, I've always wanted the fairy tale, but I don't understand why it hasn't come to me. And I just thought you could help me. And I thought... Oh my gosh! I just—that's really a true story. We had another conversation, but in case you are also wondering what happened with the fairy tale, sweetheart, let me help you. That's a tale about fairies, not women. So, you know, there is that. So, I grew up thinking money could make me happy, my looks could make me happy, um, promotions could make—something had to make me happy. A convertible car could make me happy. Something, and nothing. Can anybody, are you hearing me, nothing I tried ever did it for me, maybe for a few minutes or a few days or a few months, but enough is never enough. That is a, you know, like gravity, if you drop something, it's going to fall and hit the ground. There is a principle in the world, and it's called enough is never enough, and that's why the addict, you know, they don't take one hit or shoot themselves up one time and go, oh, dude, that was awesome. And then they're like, well, I'm done. I had that one. You know, that was great. They don't do that. The immoral woman doesn't go, oh, that guy was awesome, and then they're done. That doesn't happen because of this principle, Nothing enough is never enough. And you know that deep in your heart. You try to do all of these different things in your life, but it isn't enough. And when the lights go out at 9, and you really are all alone, it hits you. Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do it? Okay, well, I'm gonna try this. Well, I'll try keto. Well, I'll try a a new husband, or I'll try a black horse (laughs) instead of a white horse, or, you know, something, but it's never enough. And you know that really deep down, don't you? And even some people are suicidal. Do y'all, is it, I have not looked up the statistics, but do you think, like me, that suicide is even higher? I mean, the rates must be, really increasing, it's really terrible. I read this really um, sad quote, I don't know who it's from, but it said, the current generation of youth are experiencing a never before seen level of alienation, um, isolation and depression so much that more millennials are dying deaths of despair. Isn't that a sad statement, deaths of despair, more than ever through suicide and drug overdoses? So we're trying to look for our life to be found in a husband, or not a husband. Okay, I thought it was a husband, now I'm gonna divorce him, maybe it's being single, or children, or a job, or money, or a new house, or the government, God help us there. Um, (laughs) And that's why women are so angry, and we're so fearful, and we're so overwhelmed, We're depressed, some people are even suicidal. If any of what I just said resonated with you tonight, if you're going, I yes, I can see some of this. I just wanna tell you there's hope. There really is hope. There really is hope. If you're here just hanging on by a thread and you think if I don't get help soon, I may be one of those statistics and I've been suicidal, I understand that. But if you're here and you're wondering, well, is there hope? There really are answers. And I just want to tell you, I believe that you'll leave here tomorrow knowing how you personally can have everything you need for life and godliness. There is a way, and I'm going to tell you that way. You might, might not take the way once I tell you, but you can leave knowing that because there really is a way to have that. And so we're, that's what we're going to be talking about. How can you really have everything for life and godliness that you need? So I just want to open us in prayer for a minute. Um, Lord God, you're the only one that knows every single heart of every single woman here. And I thank you. It is not up to me to touch their hearts or change their hearts or in any way um, help them. All of this is up to you. Every single thing has to do with you. And I just thank you that you're the one that's in charge. I ask you that you would speak clearly through me. I ask you that you give every single woman here ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive the truth so that they leave here by tomorrow being women that really do have every single solitary thing they need through you. And I just ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. Sometimes I camp out in verses. I don't know if that, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can just let me say it. You can just listen to my voice and I'll read it to you. But sometimes I camp out in passages of the Bible, meaning I stay there a while. You know, I set up a little tent and I put my marker in my Bible and I just keep reading it over and over and over and over again. And that's what I've been doing for the last year or so with this little passage here. So I'm just going to read it to you. In fact, just listen. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Oh, I just love that. In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything, everything. That's a superlative. There's nothing that you don't have. It's everything. Has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he's granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that you can partake in the divine nature You can partake in the divine nature. This is a divine life you can partake of because you can escape the corruption that's in the world caused by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, supply knowledge. And in your knowledge, supply self-control. And in your self-control, supply perseverance. And in your perseverance, supply godliness. And in your godliness, supply brotherly love, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, supply love. This is the verse that kills me. We'll talk about that tomorrow. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless, nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of him of our lord jesus christ for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted having forgotten his purification from his former sins therefore brethren be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you practice these things you will never stumble that means sin by the way for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So tonight we're going to concentrate on verses uh, 1 to 3. So in verse 1 and 2, it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind desires ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you, Who doesn't want grace and peace multiplied to you? Are y'all looking for a second Peter chapter one and then one through 11 and we're in verses one through three tonight. So Peter is talking to people of faith. We're people of faith. And if any of you are here tonight and you're going, I don't think I'm a person of faith. What are you talking about? We'll talk about that at the end tonight, just to make sure you understand that. But Peter is talking to people who have put their faith in Jesus. He's saying grace and peace can be multiplied to you. The word grace um, is God's unmerited favor to us. That means you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't work for it. Grace also gives us joy and peace and delight. Don't you love that? I want joy and peace and delight. Delight. That's just a cool word. I love that. God's grace is... God's good will and loving kindness to us. He has good will towards you. Grace turns us to Christ and keeps us and strengthens us. Grace is amazing, guys, just like the song. And by the way, when I give you definitions, they're always from the Greek. If I'm going to give you a definition from Webster's or the dictionary, I'll tell you that's what it is. So when I give you a definition, it is from the Greek. And the word peace, I love this, refers to the tranquil state of a soul that is assured of its salvation through Jesus. Tranquil state of soul. I love that. I want that. A tranquil state of soul. And it's content because it fears nothing from God, no matter what its circumstances are. That is just awesome to me. So Peter's saying grace and peace can be multiplied, meaning you can have an increase of joy and pleasure and delight and sweetness and peace and God's unmerited favor, fearing nothing from God, being content in all of your circumstances. Do you think that's even possible? It is possible. It absolutely is possible. I love it when people shake their head because they know what I'm talking about. The word, this is true right here. This is absolutely truth. Verse 3 says, his divine power has granted to us everything. Ladies, I want to point out something again. This, the word everything is a superlative. And in the word of God, when you're talking about God, there's only superlatives used. The Bible never says some. God will give you some of what you need. It doesn't even say it'll give you most of what you need. It says what? It'll give you all that you need or everything you need. You only have superlatives when you're talking about God or Jesus or the Spirit or the Word of God, which is Jesus. Does that make sense? I love that. I just love that. His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. I want to give you a deep, soul-satisfying truth right here okay? We can have everything we need for life and godliness. You really can. No matter what your current situation is, you can have everything you need. I don't know anyone on planet earth that would tell you that, but God is telling you that. I really want these truths to sink deeply into your heart. Can you picture just a minute an English muffin? You know how it has all the little holes and cracks and crevices in it? Can you picture it? Now we toast it and it comes out and it is so crispy and it is so crunchy and all those little holes. You know, Can you just, you get where I'm going with that? And now let's put honey on this imaginary English muffin. So you let it drizzle down in there and it just seeps down in all those little holes and cracks and crevices. Now, question, could you ever get all that honey back off that English muffin? No, maybe a dribble, you know, this is Texas, we have dribbles, and so, (laughs) but you could get a dribble or two, but you're not going to get all that honey back off that muffin. That's what I want this word to do. I want it to just, I'm praying, I've been praying, I'm going to keep praying, I want it to just seep into all your cracks and all your crevices so that no one can take this word out of you again, ever that you and this word are just one, just like that English muffin and that honey. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? (laughs) I want this word to just get so deep inside of you that you'll long forget who told you this truth, but you will never forget this truth as long as you live. That's what I've been praying for. Peter says we have everything we need for life. I want to tell you what the word life means, okay, coming from the Greek. In the Greek, it's Zoe, Z-O-E, and you thought it was just a girl's name. It's Greek for life, okay, and here's what it means. It's the life that is found only in God from all eternity. It always, it's life that always was, because remember, God always was, and he is, and he always will be. And so this Zoe life is not something you are born with. It's something you're born again with. It's something you get when you put your faith in Jesus. You, it says you're born again. Well, at that moment, you got Zoe life in you. Are you with me? Zoe life is really important. It's the fullness of life. It's true life. It's our life here because now we've got Zoe life, so we're going to live in this world that's passing away, but we're going to live in it with Zoe life, an eternal life. It's not just something that's coming to us like when we die. Oops, now I've got eternal life. How fun is that? No, it's something we have right now. We're living this literal life in this world, but with this new thing called Zoe life, or life. And it is our eternal life. We have it now, and we'll keep it, and we'll live forever. Zoe life is what God wants all of us to have, but only it comes through Jesus. So in 1 John 5, 11 through 12, 1 John 5, 11 through 12, it says, And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. That's what? zoe and this what zoe is his son life zoe is jesus you want zoe life it is jesus you got that he who has the son has the life which is what zoe and he who does not have the son of god does not have the life he does not have zoe you following that that's huge Colossians 3 and verse 4 says, Christ is our life, meaning our Zoe. John 10 10, he came to, Jesus said, I came to give you life, that's Zoe, and give it to you abundantly. I want abundant life. Does someone here not want that? Don't raise your hand, but think about that. Don't you want abundant life? I do. I do, I wanna live it and breathe it and eat it and have it and give it away. I want that as abundant life. But a lot of us have abundant life mixed up. We think the abundant life that Jesus is talking about has something to do with the goods of this world. And I'm just gonna tell you something, girlfriend, that's why you don't have enough. Because enough is never enough, and if you are seeking after the things of this world, it has never, it can never, it will never fully satisfy you. It is very brief. It promises much and delivers little. Am I really telling you the truth? Well, I'll tell you what God's word says about that. First John 2.16. 1 John 2.16. All, and what is that kind of a word? It's a superlative. All, that means how much? All. Let me give you the Greek definition. All means all. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father but is from the world. Guess what this word life is? It is not Zoe, it's bios. It's bios, and it means this, that which sustains life. It's material things, it's resources, it's wealth and it's goods. Bios is resources, it's wealth, it's good. This, this water bottle is bios. Debbie Dietrich in my flesh is bios, I'm gonna die. But there's a Debbie Dittrick who has Zoe life. And Debbie Dittrick, you're going to see forever if you have Zoe life, and I'll see you forever. Because I'm never going away too bad for you, but that's just the way it is. (laughs) In other words, wealth and goods are not from the Father. They are from the what? World. Let's get this straight. There's two kinds of life. There is Zoe life. That God gives us only through Jesus, only through Jesus, which has always been and always will be. That's abundant life. That's more than enough life. I want more than enough life because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and sick and tired of being a pauper that I don't have enough. When really the truth is I have everything I need for life and godliness. Amen. But bios life refers to your earthly physical life. It consists of your possession, even your physical body, and it is not eternal. It is passing away. Think about this. All this stuff that you're trying to grab and hold onto, and buy and get and plastic surgery here and a new job there and more money there and new hair and all of this garbage, it's passing away. Which is why you are killing yourself to get it, but you're never happy because the minute you get it, then it's suddenly not enough and you have to get, what, more. Because, honey, you don't have the abundant life. The abundant life is Zoe life. And any teacher that tells you that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise is just not telling you the truth. It doesn't work that way. And I don't mean to step on anybody's toes. That's not my whole point here. But my point is, I want you to have everything you need for life and godliness. And God's word tells us how to do it. And if you're chasing something from the world, thinking it is going to give you something that you don't have, you are not believing the truth. Does that make sense? That's why you're, think about, that's why you're unhappy. Because you want more of something are better of something or less of something. Does that make sense? We gotta get our lives figured out here and one is Zoe, one is Bios. C.S. Lewis said, the difference between Zoe and Bios is the difference between a statue and a real man. Isn't that powerful? Well, I'll just ask you this: if you're looking for a husband, do you want a statue or do you want a real man? Well, I'll tell you what I want. <laughs> just how long has it been since you've had a real man, girl? <laughs> oh, anybody remember what is it wolf brand chili? How long has it been since you had a thick steaming bowl of wolf bran chili? <laughs> Am I the only one that remembers that?) <laughs> So we all want a real living man, right? We want Zoe, not bios. Some of us think true life is money or beauty or power, prestige, a new home, a new car, health, looks. We're driven to earn, to grab. We yearn for these things. We want to obtain these things, and they're all part of bios. And for all of our efforts, we will end up with nothing. But God wants to give us. He wants to just give you the abundant life amen to that, right? He wants to give it to you as a gift. You don't have to earn it or grab it or hold on to it or not share it because you'll lose some of it. He's just going to give it to you in Jesus. So how do we get everything we need? It tells us in 2 Peter 1 chapter 3, through true knowledge of him do you want everything you need because i do and it's going to come through true knowledge of god not true knowledge of a man not true knowledge of a great government not true knowledge of money through god true knowledge let me tell you what knowledge is In the Greek, the word is epigenosis. I hope I'm saying that right, but y'all don't know the difference anyway, so what difference? (laughs) Just kidding. I'm sure I have Greek scholars out here. Um, You can tell me later how to really say that. Epigenosis is how I'm going to say it. It means more than just knowing because it expresses our participatory relationship. For instance, I can see y'all's faces here at this table. I don't see your little name tag, but what's your sweet little name? Margie. I don't know. I know. I just see Margie's face, but I don't know Margie. Margie and I don't have each other's phone number. We've never had a conversation. I just, I just know about you that you exist. That's really all I know about Margie. But I know Renee. Renee and I met at another retreat about nine years ago for another church, which shall remain unnamed. It's a secret. <laughs> And so we met at a different, we have, fun, we have each other's cell numbers, we communicate, we, st- we still don't have the kind of friendship that I want, like deep, deep, but I, I can see us really going there, right? We've communicated over the years. There's a difference. Do you see what I'm saying? You can know about someone, or you can know someone. There's a diff- that's epigenosis, is that knowing someone, not just about them, you know them, and, and they know you. Do, you. do you see, do you understand that difference? Peter also says we have everything we need through true knowledge. Oh, my goodness. That means precise and correct knowledge. You have everything you need for life and godliness through precise and correct knowledge of God. And guess where you get precise and correct knowledge of God? Only through his word only through his word he is his word this is it girlfriend that's it that's how you can know God only through his word do you know what you're in if you're not in God's word you are in big fat trouble (laughs) big fat fat huge enormous big fat trouble can you all just say with me big fat trouble Big fat trouble. I thought we'd have to practice three times. Y'all are smarter than you look. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't know where this comes from. (laughs) Maybe the spirit, I don't know, maybe the barbecue. Okay, so let's do that again. What are you in if you don't know God's word? Big fat trouble. Can you remember your line? Because I'm gonna ask you that question about 50 times throughout this retreat. Girls, you are in big, fat trouble if you don't know God's word. Because then it just told us. You have everything you need for life and godliness through the true, not just knowledge, but true knowledge of him. So if you don't know this word, you don't have everything you need. You don't have it. And right now, if you're just feeling like lost and you're hanging on by a thread, my next question to you is just answer it in your own heart. Are you in his word? I can't tell you how many times girls will come and say, I just need to talk to you. I will talk to you. I'll talk to any of you. I'll give you my email. I'll give you my phone number. We can get to epigenosis one another. Woo! <laughs> I'm serious about that offer. That's not just a random joke. If you're serious about growing in Christ, I personally will help you. I don't have anything else to do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm retired. Um but I want you to grow in Christ. I want you to really know him. But I'll get to know women, and then they'll still keep coming to me with their, well, I'm still just struggling. I don't know how I'm going to make it through it. I'll say, okay, stop. I'll say, have you been in his word? Well, no, I don't have time. And, you know, oh, okay, stop, stop, stop. I want you to go read his word, get into his word, and then call me back, and let's talk. See, I'm, this is Real. This is a real deal here. You want everything, you got to get into his word. And what are you in if you're not in his word? I love this group. (laughs) Y'all are so awesome. Wow. But see, some of us don't want correct and precise knowledge about God. We don't want it. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. I just want to cry. This is really, I just, this is so hard. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. So you only want to hear what you like, kind of like Gucci, 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 go," Like, ooh, you are so cute, Holly. Ooh, girl, you got it all going on. You are awesome. You're one of a kind. You're so special. Gucci, 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 goo. <laughs> ooh, God's got a blessing for you. Oh, he has great plans for you. Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. There's no substance there. Are you hearing me? This is so enormous. It's so gigantic. It's so huge. I dropped something down there. Would anybody like to get one sweet little girl? Would you get that for me? I'm going to need that later. Thank you. Thank you. I love young people. <laughs> We're in dangerous times. Seriously, I feel like God, I feel compelled to tell you. I feel like I'm here to tell you. You're in a really dangerous time. And some of us are older. I'm 67. I'm going to go home soon. I don't mean tomorrow, and I'm not dying. Don't anybody go, oh, do you think she's dying? <laughs> no. I mean, I am. You are too, by that, for that matter. But we're all dying. But I'm not going to live 40 more years. You will. You will. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm on my way out, but some of you are going to live here a lot longer than I am. And you are in a really dangerous place right now as a culture. And I really, I'm just begging you to hear me. I'm begging you, because these are really dangerous times. You are systematically being taught that every single solitary thing in the world is about you, and you're being lied to. It's not about you. It's not even for you. It's about God. But we're so busy looking at ourselves, we don't have time to look at God. And what are we in if we're not in the word? We won't know God's promises to us. We won't know anything if we're not in his words. But if we do look at God's word, we want it to be all about us. Think about that. We want to hear about God's plans for us. I want to know what my destiny is. I want to know what my purpose is. Are you following this? You hear that. I know you hear that. Oh, I want to be blessed. Oh, you be blessed. What does that mean? I mean, let's think about this for real. See, we don't look at God's word to know God. We look at God's word to know ourselves. Tell me a plan. Tell me something good. I want to feel good about myself. God help us. And you want to know why you don't have everything you need? Because you're not looking to know God. You're looking to know things that concern only you and you don't have what you need, and you're suffering. Look at look at the memes on Facebook. Listen to conversations. Listen to some sermons. Me, 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 I, 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 I. Believe in yourself. Accomplish your dreams. Live your best life. You have what it takes. Oh, let's see. I already forgot. Margie, you have what it takes, girl. Believe in yourself, Margie. Come on, believe in yourself. What, what does that mean? What? Seriously, you don't even believe in yourself? She doesn't believe in herself. Why don't we tell people, oh, believe in yourself, Alma? That she doesn't believe in herself. I don't believe in myself. Why am I saying that? This is my favorite. Would you send me some positive vibes? Some good, what comes next? Some good energy. How does that work, exactly? OK, do I like, did you get it, Renee? I sent it to you? No, let me try again. It's almost kind of like I'm trying to go to the bathroom or something. So Sorry, couldn't help that. But you know what? I'm serious. This doesn't, that's nothing. Those are words. And you wonder why you don't have everything you need. Do you see this? is really funny, but it's really so darn serious. We are losing our minds. We're absolutely losing our minds. All those buzzwords, destiny and purpose and dreams and best life, all that stuff is just stuff. And you still go to bed at night feeling completely overwhelmed because you don't have everything you need. And that's really sad because God gave you everything you need. And you're empty. And you're living. You've got... Zoe life, but you're living like you have BIOS life, like you have nothing. Let me read you some things I found. When you love yourself, you glow from the inside. <laughs> you attract people who love, respect, and appreciate your energy. Why writes this stuff? What does that even mean? What what does that mean? Love yourself. Gucci, Gucci 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 goo. What do you see what I'm saying? Oh, get over it. You love yourself. You'll glow. Gucci Gucci, Gucci, Gucci goo. See, do you see? Do you see what the, this is nothing? And yet we post this stuff, we read this stuff. Can you imagine tick just think about tickling who had that cute little baby earlier? I saw someone with it. Kelly was holding. Does somebody have a baby here? Oh did I f- Fan, did I have a fantasy about this? <laughs> there is a baby. I didn't make that up. Okay. So I kind of tickle the little baby's feet. I mean, it was kind of natural, but that would not be natural if I got up and went, Gucci, 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 to her little foot. Well, what, you'd be going, Okay, she's really crazy. Right? We don't tickle each other, right? As adults do, we don't do that. Hi, Alma. <laughs> Gucci, 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 goo. You know, we don't do that. But think about this. If you're wanting your ears tickled, and you don't want the word of God, but you want these other ridiculous words, you're tickling each other. Who wants to be tickled? A child. So you're a spiritual child if you want to hear garbage instead of the real, real word. Does that, does that make sense? This is a good one. Let me get back in my voice again me, 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 me. Everything starts with, with and how you feel about yourself. Start feeling worthy, valuable, deserving of receiving the best life has to offer. Be magnetic. (laughs) Who, you don't need, please don't raise your hands, but no one in this room feels worthy. I know you don't. We all, I've talked to women, hundreds of women, maybe thousands. I know you don't feel worthy. There's a reason Jesus died, and that's because, girlfriend, you are not worthy. Jesus gave you worth. You were destined to hell, and you have no worth. And you will find your worth alone In Christ alone, that's where worth comes from. Thank you. Not from yourself. And that's what we're encouraging other people to do. Find it within yourself. It's not there. It's kind of like a kitty litter. If you don't like what's on top of the kitty litter, and you think, hmm, I'll just dig deeper because surely there's something good in there. Well, that's not gonna happen, right? You'll only find more of what you already don't like. Seriously. So all these people that say they're gonna find themselves, well, that's just like digging in kitty litter. It's what you already don't like about yourself. If you dig deeper, there will only be more of what you don't like. (laughs) Oh, this is one of my favorites. Ah, and this is not political, by the way. She is running for office, or was. I don't know if she still is. This has been a pro- I've had a problem with what she teaches for years. Here's what Marianne Williamson said. Our deepest... I mean, I, I won't even make fun of the voice. I'll just do it straight up. Because de- I'm not making fun of her. It's what she's saying. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate... Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I? To be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous. Yes, I ask myself that all the time. <clears throat> Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. we got a God word in there. Your playing small does not serve the world. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. That's within all of us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. What? Has anyone in this room, and just raise your hand, has anyone feel that their deepest fear is that they are powerful beyond measure? (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do you ever ask yourself, who am I to be so brilliant and gorgeous and talented and fabulous? No one in this room has ever, I know, I don't even have to know you, you have never asked yourself that question. Because if there's anything you do, feel, it is inadequate. It is not gorgeous. It is not fabulous. It is not brilliant. Right? I know I'm right. We are hurting empty people without Jesus. And these kind of words will not help us. They're empty words. They're gucci gucci goo words. She's pointing you to your own power and your own light. And let me tell you what God's word says. There's only one light, and that, my friend, is Jesus Christ. That's in John 1, 9. The light's not in you. You are in total and complete darkness when you are apart from God through Jesus Christ. You have nothing. There is no light in you that I could even possibly get, and there's certainly no light for yourself. And if you have Jesus, the light is in you, and you have a light on your path. And, friend, that is going to be found in his word, in his precious, most magnificent word. Look at this. This is just a woman's magazine, soft surrounding. soft surrounding. It's nothing. But I noticed this the other day. My time, my place, myself. I mean, just think of that. The, are the marketers, they know what's going to excite you. It's something about you. Isn't that when you start start looking for these things, people in the world are trying to make everything about you, and they know you're going to buy into it. We love to know all about ourselves. We like to know God's plans. For, we call out, say God's plans, because I'm not sure we really want to know God's plans sometimes, but we say we do. Um, we want to know about our fulfillment, our destiny, our blessings. And that word blessings is thrown around so much. What if I said, oh, God's going to bless you? What would you think of immediately? Happiness or something material probably. Oh, oh, am I going to get a promotion or something? See, we like that. But blessings doesn't have anything to do with bios life. It's Zoe life. In fact, Ephesians 1, go read that. It's awesome. It says, You're blessed with every, there's another superlative, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Oh, there's blessings for you, girlfriend, and it's found in Jesus. And if any of you have listened to this little part and you're going, I don't get what she's taught, why is all that bad? I don't get it. Sweetheart, I'm saying this with the the sweetest heart for you and frankly if you're interested come talk to me and I'll help you but if you are not understanding why all of what I just said is wrong or why I'm making fun of it and I am sorry if I have offended anybody that is not my point but my point is this if you don't understand that it's because you're not in God's word you don't know that that none of what I just read is in God's word it sounds like it is the word God's in there but it's not from God's word and if you don't know that then you've got to get in his word. And what are you in if you're not in his word? Yes. That's right. Romans 1.25 says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. My friends, we are worshiping ourselves and not God. I talked to a woman today who said she got on a Muslim website and that's the same thing they said. Mankind is beginning to... Um, lose all interest in God, of course, I believe they would be purporting a different God, but because they are worshiping themselves. Now, that's pretty powerful. And we also, the other thing we do, we don't get into God's word to know him, and we take it out of context. This is really important. Jeremiah 29 11. Have y'all all heard that? Could you probably quote it? God has, uh, it's a good example of how we take things out of context. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope, right? You've probably been given that by someone in a dark moment. Oh, but listen, I want you to remember, Margie, God has plans for you and a hope and a future. Okay, so we get it. We claim it. We give it to other people. But do you have any idea the context of that verse? Do you want to know what it really says? I mean, it really says that, but do you want to know what went before it and really after it? The Israelites were exiles. God had punished them. They were prisoners in Babylon. They were taken out of their homes as captives and taken to Babylon. They were exiles. They, were, they didn't have their home any longer. They were prisoners, and they were suffering. And why is that? Because they had forsaken God. They no longer cared to know the one true God and serve him alone. They had chosen false gods. Jeremiah 2.11, My people exchanged their glory for that which does not profit. Jeremiah 2.17, Have you not done this to yourself by forsaking the Lord your God? Jeremiah 2.32, My people have forgotten me days without number. Have you forgotten your God? Now let me read Jeremiah 2, 29, 10 through 13, not just verse 11. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place, meaning Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. In other words, he was promising not to punish them forever, but only for 70 years. That's what that verse is about, that we throw out like candy. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What is that verse about? It is about God. Not some plans for you and destiny for you and your best life. It is about God Almighty. Do you see? We've got to be women who really know God's word and hold on to it. And then we'll be women who have everything we need for life and godliness. God is crying out in that verse, please turn back to me. Let me prosper you. Please, please come back to me. He's just crying out in those verses. I pray that you would be women who want to know God, who really know your God. I want to give you just a few verses about God. Literally, I am not joking, and, and if you know God's word, you know this is a truth. We could spend, I bet, a year or two or three or five or our whole lives studying the word to know our God. I'm giving you three little things about God. It is, you could, we could not measure all the truth about God. So just three little truths. First of all, my friend, he's the only true God. There is not another God. There's just one. Isaiah forty six nine says, I'm God and there's no one like me. John 17.3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have seen. My friends... There's only one way we can have everything we need for life and godliness, and it's knowing God. And the first thing we must absolutely know is there is only one true God. There's not thousands. There's just one. For instance, Allah is not God. You're in a culture that used to not be a problem. It's a problem now. It's not politically correct for me to even say that. And I bet you a dollar I will probably live long enough that it will be against the law to preach that in this church at some point in time. And I would be arrested for saying that. These are really serious dark days. Very serious. Allah's not God. And if if you doubt that, please go read the Quran and then read the Bible. And if God and Allah are the same, one and the same, then he is a schizophrenic, (laughs) crazy, bipolar liar who says one thing to one group of people and another thing to another group of people. That is, it's not the same God. Hindu, 330 million, let's see, did I get this right? Did I say that? 330 million gods. Talk to, is it Arunda? Did I say that right? 330, that would be more than enough, but it's 330 million gods. There is only one. Is that not right, Arunda? And praise God, you know him. She knows him. And if you don't know her story, and I really don't know the full story, but eight years now, she has been worshiping the one true God through her faith in Jesus Christ. Amen 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 and I can see from her face she has everything she needs for life and godliness and she doesn't wake up on Tuesday and pray to the Tuesday God and then on Wednesday praying to the Wednesday God and Wednesday night praying to the Wednesday evening God right you pray to one God through his son Jesus Christ amen and I'm just gonna say to you younger people I think as older people and actually, I'm a people pleaser, so it is hard for me. I'll just confess, but girls, you youngers especially, you have got to make a decision if you're going to be biblically correct or politically correct. It's pretty it's pretty serious. And that's going to be really hard for you. I'm really glad I'm old. I, I really hate to say that, but I'm glad my time is short because yours isn't. And I am pleading with God that you guys would, would seek and pray for strength to be strong and courageous and be biblically correct, not politically correct. And you may suffer for that. The next thing I want you to know is God is good. God is really good. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. The word good means kind and benevolent. Good in a moral sense as opposed to evil. God is the source of all goodness superlative in the universe. Apart from him, there is no goodness. You don't experience or have some sort of goodness and it not be something that God also has. Do you, do you understand that? There's nothing good apart from God. God, Good cannot be found apart from God. God has never done nor can he do anything that is not absolutely good. And I want to tell you another thing about God At the same time, he is all things. He is all things at all times. So while he's good, he's also kind, and he's also loving, and he's also faithful, and he's also true, and he's also powerful, and he's also holy, and he's also just, and he's also merciful, and he's also compassionate. So when you read about his wrath, that really bothers some people. And a lot of you that it bothers had very terrible fathers. Unfortunately, we're humans, and we kind of extrapolate and go, Oh, daddy's bad, so is God. Got it. And let go of that. If you see a portion in scripture where God is wrathful, at the very exact same time that he executed his wrath, he was also good and kind and perfect and all-knowing and all-powerful. Does that make sense? He gives you everything you need for life and godliness. The enemy does not want you to think God is good. He wants you to despise your God. That's what he did to Eve. He said, hey, what, what did God tell you about this fruit over here, girl? What, what did he say to you about that? And she said, oh, he told us that we're not supposed to eat it, and we're not even supposed to touch that darn tree or we will die. <laughs> and he said, he told you that? Really? Okay, let me clear this up. You're not going to die if you eat the tree. Let, let me just tell you what the tree's all about. In fact, if you eat from that tree, you're going to be wise. And here's the deal with God. He knows if you eat that fruit, you're going to be just like him. He doesn't like competition. He's really weird like that. He thinks he's the only true God. So don't, he doesn't want you to eat that because it's really good for you. You'll be just like him, and he doesn't want competition. That's the deal with the tree. And she said, really? Wow. That does look good. I think I'll have some. We know how that ended. But um, see, the enemy from the beginning and even till this day does not want you to think your God is good, that he's withholding something from you, right? What if you decided to believe that God was good all the time right now? And I want to tell you something. Faith is not a feeling. Let me just say that again. Faith is not a feeling It is a decision. I may not feel good. I may not feel lovable. I may not feel that God is good if my husband died or whatever. But the truth is I can make a decision. My God is good even though I don't understand this, even though I don't like this, even though I think this has to be from the pit of hell. Right now I'm saying my God is good all the time. Do you see what I'm saying? You can actually decide to believe it. That is true faith, not just based on your feelings. What if Eve had said that? Well, gosh, I don't know. I'm really confused right now. That fruit really does look good. I I kind of agree with what you said. However, I'm deciding right now to believe my father because he said it, and I don't understand what you just said except I'm just deciding to believe my father. Do Do you see how that could change things? That's true faith. We may not understand him. He's the cre- creator, and you're just the creature. I like to. My little grandson says, "Whittle." I'm just whittle, Nanny. And I was going through a hard time a few years ago, and I just couldn't figure something out. I was just really depressed and down, and and quite frankly angry. And one day I just said, "You know what, God? You're big, and I'm whittle. And that's how I'm just. That's just where I'm going to file this because I don't understand what happened in this situation." I I really don't get it. I just cannot believe someone did this to me. But here's all I know. You are good, and I'm whittle, and you're big, and that's where I'm going with that. I've decided. I've made up my mind. Do Do you see how that can work? I've talked to women. I talked to a woman a few years ago, and her husband had just died. And I said, how are you really doing? And she said, I am so angry with God. Why would he let this happen to me? another woman's sister killed herself and I said how are you really doing and she said I, I'll never trust God again another woman's husband cheated on her and I said how are you really doing she said I'll tell you one thing I'm never going to trust God again do you see do you, see it's easy when it's not you to, to see do you see what I just said I mean why would that why would a husband cheat and your result bottom line is oh well now I don't trust God you see that? It's because we don't believe God's good. Can I just challenge you to decide tonight, I'm going to start believing God's good. I may not understand the circumstances. I may feel like dying if my child, I, if, if my child takes their lives. I, will, I might just feel like dying, but you know what? I'm not. I'm going to still glorify God and decide my God is good, even though my child did take their life. Do you see? That is possible. It is not easy. But that's how we get everything we need for life and godliness when we decide to believe everything in this word about God and the truth is God is good. I met a woman this week, her name is Mary Ann, and do y'all know what ALS is? It's a terrible hideous disease. You're really trapped in your body. Your mind is all there. You you eventually can't swallow or breathe. Your body, you are a prisoner of your body. And this woman's husband had ALS for nine years. And she took care of him. And I looked her straight. I, I epigenosed her this week. I looked her in the eyeball-to-eyeball-type conversation. And those beautiful eyes of hers were crying as she described things to me. And she said, Do you know what? God is so good. Do you know what? I got to spend, there were only three nights that we slept apart in nine years. Isn't that precious? She was thanking God for that. And she watched her sweet husband die from this thing. But I looked in that woman's eyes and I saw a woman who knows her God and has everything she needs for life and godliness because she knows the word and she believes her God's good. Not because she felt like it. God is also perfect. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, his work is perfect. God is perfect. I want you to think about that just a minute. God has never made a mistake ever. Not even for two se- I think of things like, oh, I think I'll do this. And then maybe two seconds later or sometimes two years, I'll go, oh, that really wouldn't be such a great idea because I'm not perfect. God hasn't even had a two-second lapse where he thought, hmm, I think I'll do this. And then God, Oh. No, I can quickly figure out that's not good. He Never. Every single thing he's done, everything he's said, everything he's thought is 100% perfect 100% of the time. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was an alcoholic. I, I seriously remember zero conversation of anyone ever talking to me or training me to do anything. I literally was alone to figure out life. It took a big toll on me, by the way. It made me extremely insecure. And then my daddy did quit drinking when I was 10, and then he was killed by a drunk driver when I was 11. Now, that's ironic. That's weird, right? I was terribly insecure. I thought a man with the white horse could make me happy, and I was wrong. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll get a different man this time, and I was wrong. And it just it never worked for me. And I was suicidal. I, I was suicidal since the time I was five years old. I have no clue. Maybe some of you are psychologists and go, oh, I'll explain that to you later. That's serious. I don't understand how a five-year-old can can think about suicide, but that I'm telling you the truth here. I was a complete and total mess. And so you could look at me and say, Golly, eleven, and your dad and mom were alcoholic. Oh, that's terrible. That's not perfect. I want to tell you something, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart and my guts and livers. I'm telling you the truth. My God is perfect, and it took all of that mess and death and even my sin and my immorality and all of that garbage to bring me to my table on May 8, 1983, when I was writing my suicide note out, and that's where I met Jesus Christ all alone at my kitchen table. I don't know how that happened, but it did and he saved me, but I don't think any of that would have happened had all those other things not happened prior to that. It made me a desperately insecure woman, and now it's made me a passionate woman about Jesus because he's all I have. Yes, I have a husband, but he's not. He's wonderful. He's not God. I know where my everything is, and it is God. God. And my husband's pretty darn hunky. And he did have a motorcycle and he is six foot seven. And whew, la, la, la. <laughs> it's so true. He walks in the door and I'm just like whoo <laughs> And y'all would look at him and go, uh, gosh, what what? I know, it's so weird. I'm weird. God is really perfect. I wouldn't change a thing about my life. Not a thing. I wouldn't change all those alone times because, my God, I didn't have a mentor. I never even had a girlfriend until I was in my 40s, which probably makes me emotionally like a teenager or something. <laughs> oh. The last thing I want to tell you is God loves you. John seventeen 23. I'm just going to read it from my bible and not my notes John 17:23 If you have a bible I want you to go there right now John 17:23 John 17:23 Now look at the very last sentence You didst send me and didst love me even as thou does love them. Okay, did you find it in your Bible? John 17, 23, look at the last sentence. What is Jesus saying? He's talking to his father. He's, this is the night before he died. And he's saying, God, you sent me, and you love them, and you love them even as you love me. Here's what that means. You, the wretch, you, the black sheep, you, the weirdest one of all the weirdest. I'm actually talking about me. God loves you like he loves Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the same love. Wow. Guess what else you may not know about God's love? God never changes. So he loves you today, and he'll love you the same as he loved you from the beginning before you were ever born. And the same that he'll love you tomorrow. So if you are a big, fat loser and you do something really stupid tonight, guess what he's going to do tomorrow? Love you just the way he did when you were a good girl. See, he's like that. He never changes. He loves you like he loves Jesus. I went to a counselor once. I was really depressed. I was suicidal again. I was a believer. And she said, Debbie, do you think, do you believe God loves you? And I said, I do not. (laughs) She said, why not? And I said, because I am failing at everything. Because I had a, an idea that love was conditional. If I'm good, you will love me. And maybe you do too. I grew up actually in a religion like that. If you're good, God will love you. And if you're not, boy, are you in big fat trouble. But that wasn't the truth. God loves me. And she said, she explained to me, Debbie, God loves you. And it never changes. He loves you the same yesterday and today and forever. It's always the same. And I had never heard that before, that God loves me just the same that he loves Jesus. And when I got in the car that day, I started singing, Jesus loves me. And I started sobbing. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Aren't you glad I'm a a speaker and not a singer? He loves you and my guess would be in this room some of you have been broken and are broken at this very tables because you feel that you are not loved what if you decided to believe that you're loved <laughs> that your god loves you do you realize how life-changing that would be maybe you need to go home and sing jesus loves me this i know In your handouts, in your little folder at the very back, um, little sleevey thing, the little, what do you call that thing? A pocket. Thank you so much. You should be a speaker. You should. I don't know who said that, but you have all the makings of a good speaker. (laughs) Um, There's a love letter. If you're struggling to know that God loves you, would you just take that letter? Not now. I just want you to know where it is. Just leave it where it is. Put it back in its little pocket. I'm speaking, so listen to me. But um, it's all about me. Um, but I want you to know that letter's there. And if you are a struggler to believe that God loves you, personalize that, read that, say that to yourself, and decide to believe it. And that will be really foreign to some of you. And in a little quivery, quaky, crying voice, say, I am deciding to believe that God loves me. In fact, what if you lived loved that right now you just said, you know what, from this minute forward, I'm going to live as if I am loved. That could absolutely change your life. And you know all this garbage, again, social media, believe in yourself, love yourself. Do you know why that is said? You, you must see that 20 times a day if you're on social media. It's because you don't think you're loved. Have you ever seen a meme that says, please breathe? <laughs> no. No. Because you know you have to do that, right? The reason you see those dumb things that say love yourself, believe in yourself, is because you don't. And so you got to keep hearing, she good she goo." Love yourself. Girl, nobody's going to love you unless you love yourself. See? I was in Haiti once, and I, uh, I've been there twice. And I saw a report of um, these little Haitian girls and they were making mud pies. So they'd get water, and they'd get dirt, and they'd make little pies, and then they'd put it on newspaper, and then it would bake in the sun. And then they would sell it to somebody for a penny, and the person would eat it. Why would anyone eat a mud pie? Do you know why? Because they're starving to death. Now, that won't give them any nutrition, but what it will do is give them a a relief from the hunger pains, right? That's all it's going to do. And that's what we're getting with this social media garbage. We're get, we are spiritually starving because we are not women who are in this word. And so we don't know who we are, and we certainly don't have everything we need for life and godliness. So we love to hear this garbage. Hey, girl, Holla, are you feeling kind of bad about yourself? Well, love yourself. Well, just love yourself. Want a little mud pie, Holly? You're going to feel so good when you eat that little mud pie. They're delicious. Want one? You see, you see what we do? not oh, believe in yourself. Want another little mud pie? got another one. You, do you get that? Get the word. Give the word. Love the word. Get in the word. Do you, do you, are you getting this? Then you'll have everything you need for life and godliness. Let's get real and really get into this word. I'm going to just close real quick. Um, God is the only true God. He's good. He's perfect. He loves you. He's also glorious and excellent, and he never changes. And he's your refuge and your safe place, and he's powerful, and he knows all about you, and he still loves you, which in and of itself is just a miracle. He's always present. He's never going to leave you. He catches your tears in a bottle. Little bottle here. So if I wanted to... Can I use you again? You're just sitting there. So if I wanted to catch Holly's tears, <laughs> I would do this. I would stick it. Now, My head, see, both my hands are on her cheek. I'm, this, I'm inches from her little face. Do you, do you get that? This is very intimate and personal God who gets really close when you're crying to catch every one of your tears because he hurts with you and he hurts for you so he gave you his word, so you could have everything you need for life and godliness he counts the numbers of the hairs on your head no one does that <laughs> there is no one that cares about your hair except god and he knows them just think how personal that is I, my hair just falls out everywhere I noticed in the bathroom at the hotel, it's everywhere. I sh- I'm like a little dog. I shed. But God knows how much hair I woke up with, how much hair I had at 10 a.m., how much hair I had at 12 p.m., and how much hair I have right this second because he really loves me. You don't count the hairs of people you're not crazy about. You don't even keep it. Have you ever seen a little lock of hair in a ribbon? That's because that person really loved that, the person whose hair that was. God really loves you. I want you to have everything you need for life and godliness, and it's going to come through this word. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. It's all about the word. God is the word. Jesus is the word. And do you have this Zoe life? I just want to tell you real quickly, just because you're going to a church does not mean you're a Christian. Any more than being in a garage will make you a car there's that. Here's what the Bible says. We are all sinners and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So here's the glory of God right here. It's perfection. And you and I, some of us get pretty good. We're actually pretty darn perfect, but fall short. Now me, I fell short way back here, but it doesn't matter. We all what? Fall Fall short. short. And there's a penalty for that. The bad news is that you will be separated from God forever. The penalty for that is death. And it doesn't mean you're going to go, and breathe your last breath, because we're all going to do that. This is worse. It means you really will never see God. You will be all alone in a place that was never created for you. It's called hell, and God does not want you there. He doesn't wish anyone to go there. You can if you want to, but he doesn't want you there. But while you are yet a sinner... While I was a divorced woman, twice divorced woman, an immoral woman, an adulterous woman, my God died for me. While I was yet a sinner, while you were yet a sinner, Jesus died for you. He took your place on the cross. Someone had to die for your sins, so he died in your place. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. It is the gift of God. I grew up in a re- religion that didn't say that at all. It was not by grace that I'm saved. That's a free gift. It is by works. And man, I was just not cutting it. And I knew that. But you can, if you believe you're a sinner, if you believe you were worthy of death, and you believe He died for you then you have just put your faith in Jesus Christ. And that was made known to me. I'm not really even sure how. I was at my kitchen table in May 8, 1983, and I was writing out my suicide note. And I said, God, I will never understand. All I ever wanted was one man to love me. I did not want to be this woman. And God said to me, that's right. What you did was never enough. But what I did by sending my son Jesus to die for you, that was enough. Now, how I got that at my kitchen table and no one had ever explained the gospel, I could not tell you, except the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I could have a new life in Christ. And I knew that moment at that table that I was a different woman. I got up from that table different. I didn't live differently for two more years, but I knew I was different. I'm a new creature in Christ. And I am passionate about Jesus. So ha, do, have you made that? Have you put your faith in Christ to get Zoe life? If you haven't, I, I, please come talk to me this weekend. I want all of you to leave here with Zoe life and not just Bios life. I want to just close us in prayer real quick. Father, I just, um, I thank you so much that your word is so perfect, that your spirit is so perfect. I thank you for every word that has um, been spoken here. I thank you that it will not return unto you void. I thank you for every woman that's here. I um, thank you for the strength that uh, you gave me to speak in your spirit and in your power. Um, I thank you for each woman. I pray that you would give each woman a heart that grabs hold of these truths and never, ever, ever lets them go. I pray that we would be different women we leave here tomorrow that we would be women who know that we have everything we need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of you i pray that you would give us hearts that would begin to pour over your word that we would be women that just cannot get enough of your word that we would eat it and chew it and live it and breathe it and say it and speak it over one another and crave it. And I just pray that you'd give us this huge lust and passion for your word, so to speak, just that we cannot, that it would be an insatiable passion for your word. And I just commit all of us to you, and I thank you in the name of Jesus for everything that you've given us. Amen.